Hey everyone, it's Alex Kessler talking to you today about our sponsor, that is Wizarding Foundry, the creators of the Grimoire deck box, which is a big box with about, you know, a thousand cards. So your cube or all your EDH decks, or if you have a modern gauntlet, which is what I use ours for. So I have all of our cool to be tested or to be tested against modern decks, all in my cool leather bound book that I keep on my bookshelf. It's also great for other board games. I have another one that's carrying a game called Star Realms. So great for all kind of card based game storage purposes. And it makes it look like you're maybe fancier because you have leather bound books like a fancy lawyer check them out at wizardyfoundry.com if you want and you get this code you get 25% off for the next week so use the code mmcastfeb2 to get all them discount 25% for the week it seems like a pretty good deal make sure to check it out right now wizardyfoundry.com and I will see you during the cast welcome travelers we're aware that your journey was difficult but prepare to have your questions answered for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast in the post-Pro Tour Eldrazi world! Our tentacle overlords are here, and they seem to not want to leave. Yeah, what a crazy, crazy, crazy weekend. I mean, on so many levels. On the on the levels of excitement watching our friends play, on the levels of crazy decks, on the levels of a format that feels almost broken. More to come later in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for those who don't know, JC won. <laughs> yeah, a guy. We, we don't actually know JC, but Andrew Brown's one of our good friends. They were on a team together. I've been hearing about JC for a long time and his greatness. Um, I've been in, I think, Facebook chats, perhaps, where JC's involved. I wouldn't be surprised to not know. Oh, maybe. Like yeah. back in the day when we were all PTQ grinding together. And Maybe, he yeah. He might have been in one of those. I mean, we could be totally wrong about that, but I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like he's been with those guys that we all know for quite a while. So um, anyway, yeah, just but amazing to watch and so cool, like so happy for those guys. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't figured it out today, we're going to be actually just talking about the modern pro tour. What happened? What does it mean? How can we stop it? Yeah, it's the first time. It's the first time in my life as a Magic player well, maybe the second, but the first time where like it was a format that I was so closely involved with where I was like, whoa, like unless something swings back the other way on this, this is broken. This is actually unfixably broken. Um, whereas like the last time this happened in a format that I can remember was Cawblade in 2011 with standard, but it was a standard format. So it was going to rotate and it was mostly, it wasn't unfair in the same way. It was just like tactically perfect. Uh, I think actually the last time that a deck archetype dominated this thoroughly was like whenever that elves deck the elves dragon decks back in uh, oh you're talking about legions the... block or like legion standard well okay but there was an extended so lsv was talking about this on the cast i think uh, on the live cast oh. he was saying that there was an elves deck and extended that that goes six of the eight top slots yeah yeah and that basically but by the end of the format elves wasn't even one of the best decks anymore it just was like people were unprepared there was a foil for it it just was like that was the week and that was the tournament so right. that was what happened um i don't liken this deck to that deck and we will talk a little bit more about why later but uh that i, mean, I think the other times were like affinity standard was another time there was a banning but i mean when, when you ban something out of standard it's different when you when you emergency ban something in a modern format, not as a rotational ban like we've seen, but like an actual emergency banning, which we don't know if that's going to happen. We'll talk about that later. But. Yeah, this is all this is all future content for after we're about to. Yeah. You know we have to we have to plug things. Oh yeah, let's plug things. All right. So first thing we need to plug. So we've been talking about this on Twitter and maybe a little bit of Facebook, but mostly Twitter. Um, and the podcast. So we're we've started a Patreon. Yeah, we like have all these cool ideas for things we want to do. Yeah, and we like just need some community support to be able to like finance the ideas uh, beyond what we're already doing. And so we decided to launch a Patreon. And there's like cool things. There's there's all kinds of cool rewards you guys will be able to get by helping us out. Like uh, we're gonna do like fan deck techs and like there's a swag box idea. You you can read it all on the Patreon, which you can find on Patreon.com. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe that's like patreon.com slash the MMCast, but currently the video is uploading, so we don't know. Right. We'll find out in the future. But you can get cool stuff. Um, really, the idea is that we want to create more content. Um, we want to create more magic content, and to be able to do that, we need a little bit more money than we have. Um, this podcast right now, based off of what our schedules are and how much money we have, is the kind of the bulk of what we can accomplish without some type of backing. And so if you guys want to support the podcast and get cool draft videos and other things, please Donate and subscribe. It's cool. At the bare minimum, we'll say your name. Yeah. The other thing about that, though, to just point out is like 
we love what we do and we will continue doing this podcast no matter what happens with the Patreon. So like, this isn't one of those things where it's like, guys, we can't do what we're doing. Help us out. If you don't, we're going to go away. Like we will be here no matter what. And we will continue doing this with the means we have. We just think based on the responses we've gotten from when we met you guys in person and on Twitter, some of the ideas we've talked about, there's been a lot of really positive support. So it seemed like a good opportunity to launch it and kind of see if we could all work together to create more modern masters, masters of modern masters of modern a, a content. Yep. So please, please check it out. Uh, there will be a link in the rocket jump website, robjohn.com for this episode and you'll be able to find it. Also, as always, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, we are at the MM cast. Yeah, I'm Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm uh, Cass Wiley. So check those out. We uh, do a lot of our community interaction on Twitter. Um, also, make sure to check out our Facebook. It's facebook.com slash the MMCast. That's where a lot of the times uh, where I've been trying to encourage deck tech submissions yeah. uh, for community you know, looking at. So that's a cool place to go. Um, and also make sure to check out the Command Zone. Uh, they do awesome Commander content every week. I'm actually on their podcast this week. Mm. I'm also on the Legacy Weapon. I'm just doing all these podcast guests. So check out Legacy Weapon, and you can hear me shot call exactly what happened in the Pro Tour. Yeah, I guess we'll talk about banlist like... on Legacy Weapon, and then check me on the Command Zone where I completely whiff and predict that Joel Larson was going to win this whole Pro Tour and 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 unsuccessful. Kessler's like basically like he's like, oh, the uh, Masters of Modern, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the only host. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'd love to be on your podcast. No problem. No, your schedule at <laughs> night is harder to schedule when they talk to me. Say what you can you get will. on some podcasts. I don't want to be on podcasts. You also don't play Commander. I, you don't know that. Or Legacy. You don't know that. I, I do. Okay. If there was a, if there was okay. a Highlander Roulette <laughs> podcast. I played Legacy. I had a sweet Legacy deck. True. Yeah, I won something. Well, maybe, guys from Legacy Weapon, you're hearing this. Ben wants to be on your, one of your next guests. I love Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. So, Command Zone, check it out. I'm on it. Also, yeah. check out the Legacy Weapon Podcast. I'm also on that one. 100% though. Let's get into the podcast. Let's All right, talk about so, what we're talking about. Pro Tour, Oath of the Gatewatch. The, the Gatewatch didn't really do much of a job. Hmm. No, the, the Eldrazi have overrun, destroyed everything. No decks were left undestroyed. Yeah, so let's talk Six about... Six decks in the Pro Tour <laughs> Top 8. Let's talk about what happens when a format all of a sudden gives you the opportunity to play eight Soul Rings on turn one. Well... Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I think, I think one of the best, and I think it was Killer Apollo Vito Dama de Rosa on Twitter. Um, the Juggernaut comment? No, 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 no. no. Oh, well, yeah, that was a good one, too. We'll get to yeah. that. But uh, their comment was, oh, look, we're watching Vintage. They're, the top eight is six Mishra's Factory decks and two oh, uh, Mox decks. Yeah. Great. No, it was it was pretty silly. Like, I, I mean, um, even just like the – if you were just like to consider – like this is this is to me why when people were talking about what was going to happen with the metagame and the decks and all that, people weren't just like, oh yeah, well uh, I have Ugin lets you cast all these expensive spells for awesome amounts, but then you can also just have an Isimaru that you can play four of in the deck as well that you could possibly be casting. It's more. not even Isimaru. It's it's a scalable two one version of oh no Memnite. <laughs> I'm talking free Memnite. I'm talking about uh, the mimic en- endless one. Oh, 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 oh. This one's a 2-2 two, two for, for a one of your eight lands if that's in your opening hand, which is like you get to do all these other cool things and cards that have like really interesting interactive abilities. Like obviously looking at like Mimic, Curving into Reality Smasher, that kind of stuff is amazing. But then when you consider like the deck also gets to play one of its top end threats on turn one as a 2-2 two, two for one mana. Right. Well, and then uh, I guess my point was is that and Mimic. So it really has eight copies of a 2-1 or 2-2 for one. Yeah. Or for zero. So aggressive. Yeah, yeah. So it was from the point of view of innovation, if you're really interested in modern like we are and you focus heavily on the small pieces of decks, it was really cool to watch what happened with between the, the two big Eldrazi decks. I mean, there was three really, but there was two that had multiple copies in the top eight. You know, I think you can comfortably say there were three Eldrazi decks that made it into the top eight. There was the... Uh, Blue red, hyper aggressive Eldrazi. Right. There was uh, the colorless Eldrazi deck that had zero color. Like, I think the only color mana it could produce was yeah. black and red out of a Simeon Spirit Guide. Um, and then you had the processor bug Eldrazi deck that. Um, so the processor deck was that was the one that was probably the closest to being known before the event. Correct. That was the one that had been played on on Moto and people had seen it. And then the colorless deck, there was a, like, that was sort of the 
That was that was Channel Fireball's face to face games co- collaborative effort to create a new deck. And also the colorless Eldrazi deck though was if you were to take out Spirit Guide and Chalice, which is the ultimate tech in that deck, that was the basic shell because they they were pretty much using the basic shell otherwise of of all the fast lands of all the threats of the. Four uh, they were of's. the first one that went straight full on colorless, or like I guess it's the mono black yeah. you could argue, but like. The four ghost quarters, the four, the eight man lands, like yeah. they, they're definitely going really deep on you don't need colored yeah. mana. But so the coolest one, in our opinion, was the blue red one. And I will say it now because we couldn't say it beforehand. We knew about this deck before the Pro Tour. Um, we, we had inside information that we were not allowed to share or talk about. We had to keep our lips sealed. But we I did was... the best we could. I mean, we mentioned that one of the reasons we were so high on the fact that like most likely... Yeah. The Eldrazi deck is the deck to beat, period, this weekend, was that information from that, and also just, you know, information from other sources on Twitter. Like, we got a pretty good feel for this Eldrazi deck is nuts. Well, in the blue-red version in particular, when, when I heard some of the cards, when I heard some of the cards that were going to be in the ultimate build that we did see which, with Ruination Guide, I, I mean, for those of you, if anybody didn't watch the Pro Tour or didn't see the coverage, the gist of that deck and the blue-red deck, the cards that were so strange in it, they played a bunch of limited uncommons and commons that you just were like, you can't play that in a pro tour. They ended up playing, I mean, as well as the obvious cards. So reality smashers and thought not seers, um, endless one, which was a very popular card played by many of the decks. Same with Eldrazi mimic. They played all that stuff, but they also added in Eldrazi sky spawner, which is the two, one flyer for three that gives you one token. They added in vile aggregate, which is the three mana X five in red. That's power is equal to the number of colors, creatures you control. Also known as Eldrazi Tarmogoyf. Yep. They added in um, uh, they added in uh, Ruination Guide, which is the colorless offensive anthem. So he's, the, he's like a... All Eldrazi creatures get plus one... Or all colorless creatures get plus, plus one, plus one. zero. And then, uh, the, the, the as they called him, Dr. Owner. Yeah, hashtag Dr. Owner. Drowner of Hope. Yeah. Which I thought I saw at least one or two copies in cart in... Um, in Leopold's deck as well. Yeah, the the blue, green, black, that was one of the blue, main blue spells he was playing. Yeah. Those, the, they both kind of figured out that that card was nuts. Is insane. Yeah, in that deck, <laughs> that card is the best card in the deck, as they've said. So that was really cool to see. I mean, that's like an example of, of complete and total innovation where you take bulk rares and limited commons and uncommons and then mash them into something ridiculously powerful. Obviously, playing the shell of Eldrazi Temples and Eye of Ugans, so you had access to a huge amount of mana on very early turns. They didn't go the direction that Channel Fireball went, which was to play Simeon Spirit Guides and Chalice of the Voids to combat all the hyper-aggressive decks. Yeah, so, so and, and you kind of saw that the Channel Fireball decks were definitely tested and tuned to be the better deck against something like Infect or Affinity, while um, the blue-red decks were tuned to be the best deck against the Eldrazi decks. Yeah. Um, and they had a decent, you know, one of the best, de- they, they've said it, one of the best cards in the deck is spawn the Eldrazi Sky Spawner. Yeah. And that's because of just how good it is against Affinity and Infect, because classically, that's why Lingering Souls is good. Yeah. You the can... fact that you get flyer blockers that then they can't, attack into as infect creatures because all their flyers are x ones yeah it was it was it was pretty impressive so then you you look at those decks there's the frankly a deck which was the the bug eldrazi deck which uh nothing jumps out at me as it was more of the processor build no, it, was, it, it was using it was using green black and blue in a processor way that was kind of taking what processors were doing before to the next level i think before it was kind of just the like just because we got more powerful ways of interacting with them um definitely an interesting deck and very strong. I mean, they all top dated. It, it's insane that three different versions of the archetype. There's actually almost a fourth Eldrazi deck in the top four. Right. It was, you know, Gorio's Vengeance through the breach, reanimator with with Jace. But there was at one point, if he had won one of his matches, we could have had every Eldrazi because he was playing represented because he was playing Emrakul. Yeah, it was it was it was very cool. And and big big props to uh, Brian David Marshall for calling out Worldbreaker, which yep. showed up in yep. Leopold's deck. Sadly, uh, Dark Dweller. Goblin Dark Dwellers, and what was your card? Jorianne, maybe? Jorianne didn't make it. Yeah, I thought maybe I chose a different card. Maybe slipped through space or something. No, I think your choices were Jorianne or the 2-1 Flash Blue Flyer. <laughs> yeah, that card's sweet. <laughs> it looks like That card looks like such a joke compared to the Eldrazi deck. All right, so so that's the that's the breakdown. You had two Affinity decks in the top eight as well. Uh, they were cool because one of the things that they did and you kind of noticed in their secret tech, and I think this might have been based off of their, as the Pro Tour coverage called it, the the Affinity Cabal. 
um, they were playing the Master of Ethereum lists right. instead of Etch Champion because Etch Champion is terrible against Eldrazi, Eldrazi decks. Yeah, right, right. Um, and th- what the Cabal was, and I'm putting bunny ears all yeah. over my face, is like pretty much every Affinity player on any pro team that was like an established pro ended up on a Facebook group separately from their teams working with other people playing the Affinity deck to right. tune it correctly. Um and all the teams were kind of okay with this. It's just, you know, because they like, we're on Affinity. This is the game plan we're going. We're going to work together with other people that are on the Affinity game plan. Right. And you'll benefit because you'll at least get to test against me, a master of the Affinity matchup. Yeah. And that's kind of what ended up happening, which is, I think, one of the reasons two of the top eight were is Affinity is because Affinity was one of the few decks to have information about the Eldrazi deck. And we're going to get into a little bit about why we think the Eldrazi decks were able to dominate so heavily. A lot of people think it's just blatant power, and like these are the people that I generally think are screaming the sky is falling and we need to ban everything. Yeah. I don't... I'm not saying we don't. I, I, I think it's very possible that the Eldrazi tech is too good for modern, and we need a banning as of the Shadow of Innerstrad ban and re- restricted announcement. Right. But Pro Tours are kind of set up to let this happen. Yeah. The way... First off, the way teams work, the fact that you have groups of 10 to 15 players that by the end of their six weeks of working together will say, we're all going to play the same deck for the most part means that like only a few strategies and the strategies that the best players in the world pick all of them pick. So they come in giant droves. That's why, you know, infect affinity and this is deck. were like 20, 25, 30% of the field each respectively. Cause entire teams picked just to play these decks. Right. Um, Beyond that, just the way that the draft environment works. So if you look through the eight two or better lists, that would have, you know, done, you know, day two to GP or whatever, but like because of like had great constructed records, but then you compare their you know, their limited factors makes it so they didn't do so well. Right. Like some of these decks, this this list, the eight two list is much more diverse. And we're gonna get into it a little later. But because draft warps how these work, you only end up getting X amount of people in. And if one pro team just had a better read on what the draft format was that maybe their deck that they're also playing all together is slightly better is going to get them all into the top eight i also think that i mean this and this could be speaking to the accusation that that modern shouldn't be a pro tour format because the way that it works is that every pro for the most part will gravitate towards the most unfair broken thing they can possibly be doing whether or not it feels like they want the swingiest deck in their favor possible is like the the best basically the best way to put it like everybody would have played Amulet Bloom if Amulet Bloom was legal because Amulet Bloom would have just, you can go off on turn two. Um, This Eldrazi deck and playing some version of this kind of aggressive strategy is something to that effect. Well, this was, this was, I think this, this had extra rounds. These were playing best out of five. And this was still, I think the shortest top eight pro tour time length wise, because you know, the slowest, grindiest deck in the format, which was maybe the Bug Eldrazi deck, was still playing turn two five fives. So, like, this format is insane. And yeah. no one, I think, disagrees with that statement. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Like, as we'll get into this in just a little bit. Like, how we think the format's going to react and, and what can players right. do to combat it. I mean, ultimately, are, yeah. I loved watching this Pro Tour. To me, I wouldn't like watching... If this strategy is, in fact, as unfair as people are accusing it to be... I won't want to watch this for a year, but right. but I'm okay with it for a pro tour because it's interesting. It's like it was cool. You got to see brand new strategies. You got to see new spins on strategies that no one expected from players completely from left field. Yeah, like, like the Death Shadow Zoo deck was awesome. Yeah. That was really cool. I will say the end of this pro tour. My opinion on a modern pro tour continuing is high. I think we. I would love for us to keep the modern pro tour. Yeah, I, and it, and honestly, it's interesting that like th- there's been so much focus on banning cards. Um, I think they should really employ the strategy as we go forward of, of the interesting of when you ban a card of unbanning card or even just strictly unbanning cards for pro tours. And I don't even think you'd necessarily need to do it once a year. You could do it every, every six months because I mean, we've all chatted about this stoneforge mystic, I think is unsafe to unbanned. Uh, I still think it's unsafe to unbanned. You can argue blood. I would even argue now blood braid elf is purely safe because Colgan's command is not good anymore. <laughs> Like, well, it's always going to be, yeah, good. it's always going to be good, but it's not like being played by everyone. So like yeah. bringing those two back, I don't think is big of a problem. And I mean, we'll get into bannings and unbannings and stuff like that. I do think that a modern pro tour offers something extremely exciting and more exciting than a standard pro tour. If this totally. was standard, I wouldn't, I would have maybe watched the top eight and walked away. Yeah. I was literally, I mean, obviously I'm biased cause I'm a host of a modern podcast, but literally watched all three days, all day 
eating up every moment I could get. Yeah, my I watch. On. What I tend to do with these, what I tend to do with these big events is, um, I, I tend to have it on in the background the whole weekend, and I try to catch as much of it live as I can. The top eight, I pretty much watch all of, and then I go back. This is my favorite part about it is because all the matches are archived every night for the next two weeks after a modern Grand Prix or pro tour. I go back and I watch like two matches at a time at the end of the night. And I actually really closely watch each one um, because it's I mean, look, if I have if I ever have 36 hours in three days that I can just sit in front of my computer without looking away, and like take notes and analyze like, yeah, I've won the lottery or something like that. <laughs> like the best case scenario is that I catch I catch, you know, a match, a match, then I miss a match and I catch a match. So like it's so fun to have something I love so much to get back and get to go back and really just reanalyze the whole part of it. Right. Uh, and, and before we move into kind of the banning announcements, I do want to mention a few other reasons that this happened. Um, one of them is because of the team structures, they're very insular teams don't communicate. One of the reasons I think affinity did well was because the affinity players were the only players communicating about these Eldrazi decks. And there was a level between them of secrecy. So, you know, it word was not out that Eldrazi decks were going to be the best decks in the format. Um, and because of that, people didn't walk in prepared. You didn't show up to the tournament being like, oh man, I need to make sure I unpack an eight copies of land destruction right. or my main deck has to have four ghost quarters plus four, um, blood moons or, you know, like all the different ways you had to be able to beat this deck. People weren't ready for it. Totally. Yeah. And, and when pe- you aren't ready for it and you have two teams made up some of the best players in the world. And on top of that, it is a probably slightly too good strategy. Like I, I do think. I, like I'm, I'm not like, oh, it's not going to be banned. We can handle it. I'm very worried about this deck. I can see why this deck did so well. Yeah, we'll, we we will talk about things that we think are good against it. It remains to be seen. Um, it's kind of in the same way that like when people talked about Splinter Twin being too good, it's like there were things that were really good and could beat Twin, but Twin's power level was of a high enough caliber. The inevitability of Twin winning, if if a good enough player took it into a tournament and it was undisrupted, was so high that I think they were just like, if we don't do something this will always be too much of the format or be too much of the win percentage or people will have to be too aware of it. It's like you don't want the format to warp around one deck completely where everybody has to play. I mean, everybody is going to have to play a lot of cards dedicated to these Eldrazi decks. Right. Even if we think that it's not too good, every single deck is going to need eight cards against Eldrazi. Every single deck. And on Splinter Twin... I do think the banning of Splinter Twin helped this deck. I think the fact that I think Splinter Twin would have been a bad matchup for the deck. It wouldn't have been a terrible matchup for the deck, but it would have been a bad matchup for this deck, especially the colorless versions and the red blue versions. Um, the older, grindier versions I think had a decent matchup because they were so good against Snapcaster Mages. But the other, the new two decks that came out both have to have a bad matchup of a if I can just tap down your creature on turn three and Splinter Twin you on turn four, I win. Because I can be at three life or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and also, like, playing an endless one is, like, totally fine if, if like, your endless one is a 2-2 at the beginning of the game. Like, Twin doesn't care at all about that. Right. And, like, even Thought Not Seer coming down, like, a turn two Thought Not Seer is really good, but... I mean, Thought Not Seer is probably the worst card for the Twin matchup, but... But then Twin's also got, like, Remand, and they've also got yeah, Counter Magic. Yeah, just the way that they just... I counter your Thought Not Seer, and then I Remand on turn two... I tap your thing down on turn three and I combo on turn four. Seems yeah, maybe, like such maybe a good I tap your land. Them. Maybe I tap your Eldrazi Temple during upkeep. Yeah. That seems really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe. I mean, so, okay, so maybe unbanned twin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think that'll happen for at least two years. But, yeah, I, I do think that not being in the format is one of the reasons this deck was just so primed to do so well. Because I do think there are decks that this deck is weak to, and we're going to get into those. But... Because the deck that people are used to playing, and because the format was up in the air and no one knew exactly what to play, this deck just was able to come stomp all over everything and, I guess, process over everything. Yeah, and, yeah, fully. And distort the format into uh, the Eldrazi haven that it's become. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Death Shadow Zoo is really cool. We should talk about that, but... <laughs> yeah, so, is the sky falling? Uh, okay, let's... W- answering that question, we've been kind of answering it through this conversation a little bit, but the gist is this. It is extremely difficult to come up with a strategy that will consistently enough be good against a deck that has access to four to eight copies of a two mana land on turn one. That's just inherently good. So, like, if you think about the things that are good against that, like, let's just pretend, assume you're on the draw in half your games. And so, for that purpose, just assume you're on, on the draw in every game. 
like if this deck rolls off against you and they win game one, you're going to be on you're going to be on the draw like quite possibly for you're going to be on the draw quite possibly for two of the three games. And if that's the case, can you beat this deck if you're on the draw? Is the, is there like can you build a deck that's going to consistently have game against this deck if you're on the draw? Like if they've got two men on turn one most games and sometimes two men on turn one even when you're on the play because they play a copy of Gemstone Caverns, what are you going to do? I don't I don't know what even exists like I think there is game against them. I think there there are things that you could do, but I do think it's hard. I need to see what the GP results are. And Wizards is also. So the nice thing is I'm right. <laughs> yeah. In the sense that we're going to have to wait for the next GP, the modern GPs. And there's one day in March where there are three at the same time. And we're going to see, can the format react to this, this deck? And I think if the Eldrazi deck gets one copy, maybe two if they're two different Eldrazi decks into the top eight, a banning is possibly not going to be a problem. Especially if you look at the top 16 and they're not... Just like every deck but the top eight decks, which are two Eldrazi decks and six anti-Eldrazi decks. Right. If it's diverse, I think they'll survive until the next Pro Tour and then get banned maybe right before then. Do you think Kind that... of Splinter Twin-esque. I do think that if we get more than two, and two maybe even as enough at multiple of the GPs, the deck goes away. Um, before, during the shadow of Innistrad ban. What if you're playing four Bolt, four Helix, four Path, four Dismember... Snapcaster, you're essentially a blue, white, red, all removal control shell, a lot like those Jeskai control decks. Yeah, Jeskai burn control. Yeah, and and you're that's that's your strategy. I can see that working pretty well against them. I mean, you have lightning bolts of... terrible against these decks. Uh, kills the early threats. It the, can kill. It there can... were zero copies of lightning bolt in the top eight. Zero. Well, no, no, that was I... the first time that's happened in the modern Pro Tours, in the modern formats history. History. Actually, let me rephrase that. That is the first time I think that's happened in a format where lightning bolt was legal. If, okay, let me put it this way. <laughs> if, in the Pro Tour. if this deck stays legal for a little while, people are going to build their decks to combat it. So you weren't, sure. you're not going to see another top eight with six copies of an Eldrazi deck. Like the, at a GP, maybe right, three. But the problem isn't six. It's it's if it's four copies of an Eldrazi deck or two copies of an Eldrazi deck, but every other deck is expressly built in the only like only like land destruction decks. That's so, a format no one right. wants to see. Okay, what if you were to play the deck I'm talking about, but you were to play four Boom Busts and you're playing Flagstones because you're playing white, plus you're maybe in a, let's just say you play two or three Molten Rains and there's your deck. There's pretty much the whole deck and, and Colonnades and you're trying to win with that stuff and that's the deck. Like, it's enough cheap. Colonnade early. sounds terrible with Boom Bust. Mm, yeah, maybe. But but remember that Boom Bust... Because like, you would, need six mana for Colonnade to do anything. No, but you're forgetting that, that Fetch Lands on turn three when, with a Boom Bust, it still turns into a Stone Rain. You can still... Boom Bust doesn't just have to play on turn two with Flagstones. Boom Bust, if you have a Fetch and two lands, you cast it, you target their land and your Fetch, and then you sack your Fetch in response. No, no, but the, the Bust half is also terrible with... Oh, but you never play Bust. Boom Bust is a two mana card. I mean, people sometimes flip into it with Blood Raid, but... Hey, I mean, we're, we're going to get into what possible different ways of playing might be good against these decks, but I, I do think we need to just, you know, really look at will this get get... What needs to happen for this deck to get banned? And what needs to happen is for the format to become... This deck and decks trying to beat this deck, and that's it. That's yeah. what Cobblade was. That's what Affinity Standard was. Like, and those are the standard formats. But this is almost as degenerate of a format, possibly, as those eras. And we won't know until these GPs happen. Yeah, I mean, but the other interesting thing about that is like, okay, you for a deck to really be bannable, where it's played at such a high level to, by so many people, you have to have a high enough concentration of the best players wanting to go get those cards and play that strategy. For instance, take Amulet Loom, for example, which was a very good. The reason that deck was banned was not because it was played by 50% of the field at Grand Prix. It was banned because it was too powerful. So going into a pro tour, they didn't want that deck to exist. We now have a whole year. So I don't know, like, how many people are going to go buy all the cards for the Eldrazi decks and just play that at a Grand Prix? Some, but maybe not anywhere near as many as played it at the pro tour. What, what happens at the Grand Prix only Eldrazi decks? And the next one, you can't really play in a Grand Prix unless you're playing Eldrazi decks. If it happens at the next Grand Prix and it's and it's like... Let's just let's just say half of the top eight is Eldrazi decks. I think two or more. Well, not even that. I think if two per Eldr per per GP. Yeah, that's right on the edge for me. If it's if it's two per. What if that deck is that good? What if just like by playing this deck, you're just better than every card? I don't know how I got on the side of this deck needs to be banned, but like, I there is a definitive possibility that this deck is very dangerous. I'm not saying it is, but no, I'm saying... No, I think it's definitely very dangerous. The question, though, and this is what I think LSB said on all, the cast that yeah. was so correct, is that just because a deck looks to be unstoppably powerful right away, 
Modern's very powerful. We watched Affinity beat this deck in the top eight. We watched that happen. Affinity's been one of the premier decks in the format for a long time, and they weren't playing an Affinity deck tuned to beat Eldrazi. They were just playing an Affinity deck, like a really good Affinity deck. So I don't think that those address the aggressive strategies that that didn't make the top eight are going to be outclassed. I think they're just going to have to adjust. So right. and, and and we're I do believe it, in the next section of the podcast we're going to get into what strategies are good against this or what decks eight tuned at the GP. In a format overrun by this deck, by the best players in the world. I'm 51% this deck is bannable and too good for modern, but I'm not like 90. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm right, which like, is, which is this band, this deck gets banned next year. Yeah. I'm, I'm holding in a month and a half. From now. I'm holding judgment until we get some GP results. Right. And, and that's I what think, everyone should do. And I think that this deck, like all, always and forever in the history of magic, when things reduce the cost of mana significantly. They are too good, and they get banned. This is this has happened time and time and time again. And you have eight soul rings in a deck that like that's really good. That's right there. Better than soul. I mean, they're really soul rings that draw you a card. Can't soul lands. Soul rings. Yeah. yeah soul I mean, lands. <laughs> all of a sudden, people are getting to play ancient tomb and city of traders in modern. Like, right. That's really good. So, you know, Mistress Factory. There's like there are literally a land that taps for three mana the cast an Eldrazi spell. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. I, I mean, it, or is it, it Workshop? workshop workshop mission's workshop so yeah yeah yeah. i don't play vintage i don't know (laughs) yeah um so anyway that's that's what's going on i i will hold judgment i'm excited to see the next tournament it'll be fun to see people adapt to this deck but yes it's very scary right now Uh, yep uh so let's i want to read off the list and it's a long list and we're not going to break down every deck but you know we talked about this there are decks that can fight this eldrazi deck the problem with the pro tour is so many decks just aren't in contention of top eight because they had bad draft records you know, because they did lose against the Eldrazi deck. Some of them did great against the Eldrazi deck, but they just couldn't get there. And so I'm going to list them. <laughs> uh, Abzan Company. Yeah, Abzan Company is a powerful deck. I mean, it's... And this is this is a Malira slash Anafenza combo. Because there's actually two different Abzan... Uh, cl- uh, company decks? Cord decks. Yes. One was with Company, which is the right. Anafenza combo. And the other one was the Angel with the Spike Feeder combo. And there's also Abzan Zoo, which is like... Or, not, sorry, not Abzan Zoo. Uh, there's Collected Company Zoo, which is the... That's like the Correct. version with the, yeah with like Hierarchs. Um, Though that didn't do super well this week. Yeah. Though there were yeah, some... Yeah. People had some interesting ideas with... Like, no, we had some crazy Zoo decks. Smiters with, yeah. and Smiters and Wiltly Leashes against oh, Reality yeah, Smashes, yeah, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, no, cool. I mean, those are that's, that's really good. I mean, they are 4-4s, four which five, is... Five fives are better. Yeah, five fives are better <laughs> <laughs> for but, one specific reason but when you get it but when you get a four four or a five or like a four four creature and you're killing their guy like that's that's good. pretty good yeah. yeah 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 that's strong um death shadow zoo was one of the like one of the decks that kind of kept on stream for very long and had a really good run and then it just kind of didn't make it to the top eight it's fun to watch jerry thompson has streamed a death shadow zoo deck for a while yeah um, I watched a lot of matches. Him playing that before the Pro Tour. He, I mean, it's the, the premise of the Death Shadow Zoo deck is pretty, pretty uh, much what you'd expect. It's like Nicotle when you when you play Nicotle on turn one and then you fetch for the other land on turn two. You usually go to fourteen to begin with, so the shell is there already. Because right. Death Shadow, you, so it's just playing every you know four Gitaxian probe, four uh, mutagenic growth, mutagenic growth, four of the three two that draws you a card in, when you cycle it. Yeah, uh, street, for late to life. street Wraith. Yeah, Street Wraith. Like, it just plays all these free ways to dig through your deck. What was kind of cool about it, because it was so cantrip-heavy, it did a really good job of getting to its sideboard cards when it needed them. Yeah. Like, multiple times I'd see it just, like, play two Stony Silence, but, like, guarantee get it every time. Because you're, like, drawing six cards yeah. with all your cantrips and losing all that life so your Death Shadow gets big, but then you're also drawing into the cards you need to win the match. No, it's really cool. I mean, that's that, winning from that axis where you're using your life total as a resource like that is something we've seen before, but it's a very exciting way to do it. Um I wonder if near-death experience will ever see play in modern. <laughs> um, in fact? Uh, in fact, yeah, always in fact, I mean, in fact, was 25% of the field. Uh, it definitely was very good. The blue-red decks had a slightly better matchup against them. Um, the Chalice main deck and the and the Channel Fireball deck Super was good. one of the problems that the deck ran into. Um, I think, in fact, is a deck that in general, as long as you have some amount of fire blocker situation and removal, you're going to be able to handle. So I think that is a deck that I would be a little bit more afraid of to play. Um, blue Moon? This one was sweet. Yeah, Blue Moon's a super sweet deck. This one was interesting because it wasn't playing um, the thing that steals creatures. Oh, Sower of Temptation or Shackles? Shackles. Shackles. Um, it was playing, you know, the four Blood Moon. It was playing two Pira Kilar Nilars. Yeah. Uh, which is sweet. Um, anytime sweet. that card shows up, I'm pretty happy about it. Um, I do think, though, that Shackles would be kind of decent in the format, but maybe I'm just blatantly wrong because the Eldrazi outstrip your island sources so quickly. So quickly. But Blue, Blood Moon seems just like... <sighs> too slow against them no, no no i think it's fine against them i i am i am now on board 
that I don't think now is the time to ban Blood Moon. <laughs> like, Blood Moon to me is like, the I only think... way I could see a Blood Moon being good enough against them is if you hit it on the play with like a mana creature on turn one. And like... well, no, But if you're playing the Blue Moon decks, you have removal plus this, so you can get rid of their spells until you can lock them out of the game, which is kind of what you're trying to yeah, do. Yeah, but like the Eldrazi cards, even if they're just playing them with fair lands, like let's just say... Well, but some of the, some of the creatures, like... Thought not seers, reality smasher, matter reshaper. You have to have a colorless source. So Matt, like it literally makes it so half their deck is uncastable. So basically, all they can do is draw. They have to draw their waste. If you're, if you're, they have to draw their waste, or they're the blue red deck, and they have to draw the red card side of their deck. And then those cards are way worse because you're not casting yeah. a, a, a large amount of Eldrazi spells. You're it's just true. casting the one yeah, or two. And there's not that many. So yeah, I guess Blood Endless Moon is good. terrible when you have just regular lands. Yeah, it, it's it's Blood Moon is good, but your deck has to be good at. Creature control. Yeah, you have to be good at playing with Blood Moon, um, which I guess the Blue Moon decks are. Yeah. Um, Affinity. We talked about that already. Yeah, Patrick Dickman and uh, Pascal Maynard were yeah. both playing it in the top eight. And, and, and when it comes down to, you know, the big thing they did was they're not playing with that champion. So they're playing with the blue strategy versions that play two thought cast and four Master of Ethereum. What did you think about the, the controversy, the Pascal controversy? The one where he, like, he was basically ha- he was I think he was edging. I don't I don't think it was too malicious. He it's- was doing the thing. He was doing the thing that happens where we're, I, and I've done things like this before, not necessarily the backup but like at a pro tour cuz I've never been on a pro tour, but like the thing where you you play a few cards, you have an idea in your mind, you think you have the light bulb of I'm going to win with it like yeah. this right now, like oh my gosh, like this, the the these just parted, like I'm going to do this. And you play it and you do something and you activate and you look and then you realize you're one short or you're one mana short. Right. And you and you immediately realize Okay, I'm on camera. I screwed up, so I, ha- I I need to stop and see if there's anything I can do to fix this. And you ask a judge, judge officially, what have I done? You've been watching, which it looks like on camera he's saying I screwed up. Can you back me up? But he's not. He's actually just saying, wait, no, no. He literally says, what have I done officially? Can you tell me? And I do think I don't think it's cheating. I do think he was hedging bets. I think he was trying to get whatever advantage. He could get there using the rules and yeah. they're it's like rules. It's more rules lawyery than there's, it is cheating. There's like tens and, and fifties of thousands of dollars on the line. Like, look, if you're going to tell me that whatever is legal, whatever is legal when you're trying to win that much money in any form of competition, if you're talking magic, poker, sports, anything, what it, what is within the rules is what you will always try to do. If you are a competitor, honor is one thing. If you ask the judge straight up, look, tell me where I'm at in the turn. Yeah. But I, I, I the point people are making is that, he, they think that he thought he was farther ahead than he was letting the judge say he was. Right. Mind you, it ended up he didn't get it anyways, and he lost. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, I, I'm more responding to the heavy criticism. The heavy criticism is just like, look, it's not his responsibility for to make the judge's decision. It's his responsibility to play as honestly as he can, as best he can, and if he has a discrepancy, to make the judge make the call for him. Which is well. What... So I, I guess I have a question. Say you notice that a judge isn't looking at something that you do, right? And then you ask a judge for advice on that thing so that you know you have an advantage would but you're you on camera i mean like sure sure sure. yeah yeah, yeah. i don't i mean I, I agree with you i don't think he like even was if he trying to manipulate the system I, I think he had the intention of getting as much leeway as possible right. by asking the judge but you have to ask yourself the question of if you realize you make a mistake you freeze and you say okay what have i done basically like where am i at in the turn like some some things are more obvious like if you activate a land you point say i'm activating this and you tap your land to activate it you're not going to be able to take that back if you're moving lands like this and you're tapping around and that's when you realize something's happened you know what i mean you have to leave it up to the judge at that point because like it's not sure i mean i mean they're making the decision because they're going to award who is winning the money based on who played the game and won it's and it's not up to you and i'm not saying that he's right or he's wrong i was just sort of asking your opinion because there's been a lot of negative backlash backlash against him and i think some of that is because people think that he has like a history of this that's what I read that somewhere. Okay, I, I don't know if he does or doesn't, but I, but I mean, I I didn't I didn't get the feeling watching that I was like he's doing something super shady. I was just like people got to realize if you're in the same situation and you you're thinking about the, the possibility of losing or winning ten I, I, to twenty thousand dollars. I do sympathize with the trying to work things out and then realize how you're working them out is a way that might appear as if you're playing the game. I don't know where his intent was, where and right. what time he was trying to figure stuff out or actively like oh i made a mistake let's see if the judge can back me up and yeah and no personal relationship to pascal we, we don't know him it, it was just a comment because it was a controversial moment uh less less controversial than obvious cheats in the past much more of like gray area you know worth yep. talking about all right so one of my favorite texts i saw in the format uh reanimator kintaro was playing it but this one what was cool about it wasn't playing the classic 
uh, Shul, Gario Shul, or Grizzle Shul deck. Grizzle Shul, yeah. Uh, it was playing, it was just almost classic with Jace. He was using uh, the new Jace, Jace Fern's Prodigy, to, as a looter to discard your cards, also a value engine um, to just gain the, the value it needed to kind of get across. Um, it just barely, it was like on, sh- like literally the yeah. rounds where they were deciding who had winning ins and who didn't. It like was like eighth place, ten, or sorry, 10th place. Did really well, really sweet deck. New way to do the reanimator strategy that isn't so based off of the Grizzle Shoal. That's probably more consistent. Yeah. I would say it's probably a little bit more consistent, a little less explosive. Well, yeah, you're going to play Jace Rins Project. Yeah, it's sweet. But all that card is, does, it literally says your deck is more consistent. Yeah, I mean, That's goodness. What it reads. <laughs> I think that card's up over $80 now. Really? I think so. Keep talking. I'll check. Um, all right, next. And Sam Black played the Lantern Control deck, the Zach Elsick Lantern Control. I, I, I think that deck has to be great against these. It seems good. It, it just seems like if, if they get down fast enough against you... Yeah, but you just have to survive, so you just need to get a lantern. Or not a lantern. You just need to get um, a bridge a bridge into play, and then how do they beat bridge? All their cards are literally actively bad. And that's one of the cards I'd say is really good right now against the deck. The red-blue version's better, because it plays because it actually plays like 1-1s, because it has Sky Spawner. Right, and it has... Well, but even 1-1s aren't gonna, eventually aren't going to be that great, because you're... Eventually, you're going to empty your hand. Right. And, and like, if all they're doing is attacking you with 1-1s, one you're going to survive. Yeah. Um, and I think it plays one or two Engineer Explosives somewhere at 75. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, but, yeah, I, I I love Lantern right now. If 70, I, Lantern 70, is... 75 on Jace. There, um, are, there are two decks I would maybe think about taking into a GP if I was going to play, which GPLA. If nothing gets banned, GPLA would be yeah. there. Um, Lantern is one of them. But most likely, I'll play a, uh, the Kiki Core, Collective Company... Uh, Kiki cord decks, not yeah. Kiki cord. The the ones that did well. So like the yeah the old pod decks basically. Because I have that deck because I had pod, so I can it'll like, be, I have all the cards for it. <laughs> it'll it'll be such an interesting format when that actually happens. Like it'll yep. be it, it'll be totally different than it is now. So actually figuring out what we can and can't get away with at that point will be totally different. So did you know that Reed Duke went eight two in Jund? Uh, I did. I saw that. Yeah, that's really. that's insane. Like no one thought either of those decks would be really good in well, this format. Reed's amazing. Reed's I mean, very good. He's very good with Jund. It's also I mean, like, one of my advice things is, like, just having decent, consistent removal and stuff like Liliana is really good against some of these cards. Yeah. Um, Liliana's the problem that Scions are really good against it, so I think the blue-red decks are really good against Liliana decks. Yeah. But the, like, the the Channel Fireball decks, eventually you're just, you have good removal, maybe you'll be able to get around it. And Jun doesn't, you know, the Lightning Bolt problem, so I do think Path is better, but... Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um... So let's let's talk a little bit about what's good against these decks. Let's... Wait, what? Wait, wait, we're almost done. Oh, we're almost done. Yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Scape Shift. Did I? That show up? Yeah, a two. Who won with Scape Shift? Let me look it up while you talk about uh, the zoo, the many bird and zoo decks. Yeah, I mean, bird and zoo were that, that was part of the that was part of the uh, group that, that was like the infect affinity group, which was like very very aggressive and lots and lots of one and two drops. Try to end the game as fast as possible. Try to be consistent and have your opponent stumble. Um, not a ton of innovation in most of the zoo decks. The Death Shadow zoo deck was the big innovative one there. That was pretty cool to look at. You find it? Yeah, Tin win. Oh yeah, win eight and two. Uh, huh. It was playing four Primeval Titans. Sweet. Two Spellskite main. Explore. Search for the tomorrow. Escape shift. Two Summoners Pact. It's definitely a new version. Kalini Heart Expedition, which I haven't oh. seen since Valkit was a deck in standard. They're not even. They're actually calling it Red Green Valakut, not even necessarily Scape Shift because they're not playing any blue. Looks like uh, my prediction from the last two years of Spellscout being the best card in Modern is it's just, still just holds consistent, true. even yeah. even without Twin. It was like two of in like all of the Star City Eldrazi decks. Like that card, as and it's from from an investment standpoint. If you're able to buy into that card back when it was like. I think it was a point that it, it was... It was $2. Lowest. There was $2 at one point. I bought like five at $2. Well, a long time ago. Yeah, like yeah. when it first came out. No, no, like after it came out. Okay, but like what I'm saying, when they reprinted it, when it was in oh, 2015, yeah, yeah. I think it dropped as, as far as like 11 at one point. I remember I remember in Mad Magic, it was at 350 like yeah. after it rotated right when Modern Season was starting and me being like, you'd buy this card right now. It's going to be $10 in two weeks. And it was $10 it's, in two weeks. It, it, was it 45 <laughs> now or something? Yeah. Something ridiculous. I called a lot of spikes in that show. It was a good show. Yeah. Do if we're... you guys haven't realized, I love shot calling things and I expressly love when I'm right, which it's happened, <laughs> it's been happening recently. <laughs> and, and and also from the point of view What of... was level zero of the format? <laughs> Um, fr- from the point, of the, from the point of what about view, level one. <laughs> if, if you guys like, uh, 
if you guys like Mad Magic and the idea of talking finance, that is one of the premier ideas with the Patreon. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, it's not a hard show for us to execute, but we do need to do video because we need to be able to show the card images. Which means we need um, an editor and a light person, which is yeah. the two things that we need help with when, for Mo- new content, which is why we're thinking about doing a stuff. Patreon. But, I mean, there's we have a couple ideas, that being one of the premier ones. The other one uh, is, is a loose one. It's sort of, we'll just call it a Magic News Show, uh, which is another cool one we've talked about doing. So Yeah. Um. So, other than... so. All these strategies did well against the Eldrazi decks. Yeah. First off, based off of how many Eldrazi decks they were, these are decks that are good against Eldrazi, Infect, and Infinity. Or their Infect and Infinity. <laughs> so, like, if I was going to the GP, these are the decks I'd be looking at. And this is really diverse. There's two Abzan Company decks. Death, Shadow, Zoo, new deck. Infect, Blue Moon, which is kind of a new deck. Affinity, Reanimator, Lantern, Burn. Like, all these are brand new or tweaked new things that are completely... Not in a deck that's based around Eldrazi. Yeah. So I definitely think this format could be very diverse, and I'm really interested to see what happens when people are like, let's jam some land destruction. Speaking yeah. of which, what strategies would you say gained a lot of value in a world where the Eldrazi menace exists? Um, I mean, okay, so I guess like so so any land destruction deck, like we started talking about boom bust decks and and wondering, uh wondering like what would be what would be good, and I, I do think Boom Bust has a, has a place. I think Boom Bust, just the Boom side, is great. I think I think the Cave Dwellers Boom Bust deck seems sweet now. And Molten Rain, and mol- like Molten Rain, like the, there's there's these Boros land destruction decks people are playing online with like a Johnny Boom Bust Molten Rain, um, and Goblin Dark Dwellers like yeah. the flashback the Boom Bust to them bust like all these cards are really sweet. And they're got to be pretty decent against these Eldrazi decks because you're just shutting their lands off the whole time. I like the idea of playing some sort of an, a super super aggressive with your with your lands deck that plays like eight mana creatures, like four Hyrock, four Bird, four Boombust, four Molten Rain, and then like some you know you play you can play your uh, your Flagstones, and then after that maybe you're just playing like Tarmogoy if you're playing the most efficient cards that can cost two mana. I guess I've never thought about this. Is Armageddon in this format? No. Okay. Um, but <laughs> but the idea is that if you play enough mana creatures and you do flood out and like accelerate into actually a bust, if you had like a bird and a hierarch on the table and maybe like a goyf and you just played bust, you might just be able to win the game. If you play if you play like enough efficient removal, so like the idea being. The mana creatures allow you to play a two mana spell and a one mana spell on turn two, right. which is what you want to do with a fetch land and a boom bust anyway. So if you're if you're filling your deck up with like path to exiles, maybe bolts, maybe you're playing really aggressive. You're playing hand disruption as well as your other one drops. Sure. So, so like, like an Anaya Anaya land destruction deck. You might even end up. I mean, probably four color, three to four color. You, why do you need? Why do you need black, other than red, black or no? You white, need white, green. red, green. Why, why I don't think you need black or blue. Yeah, I mean, okay, probably not blue, but you could try it if you wanted. If you could try black, if you wanted to play um, hand disruption, because that's the other that's the other thing you want to do. Like certain cards from the Eldrazi deck are just way better against you. Um, sure. So anyway, I mean, that's that's kind of one idea, but like, there's lots of builds that use. I think I think the card boom bust and the card molten rain are two the two most important cards. Sure, uh, I do think going to lantern strategies or just any type of hell bent like eight rack where you're playing Bridge from Blows and you're getting your opponent's hands to zero so that they right. can't get around it. And 8-Rack plays a lot of discard spell or uh, edict effects, so you get around Reality Smashers. I'm a... You can't, you can't target me effect. Right, right. Um, so I think that that deck might have a little bit of strategy. I think... And the, like, once again, this is another land destruction deck. Yeah. This is playing four smallpox. Um, Merfolk. Yep. Once again, land destruction, the eight C's or four, you know, or regular. I like, but, yeah, I like the idea of eight C's. Mer- Merfolk seems really good. I mean, ba- we basically can look at these decks from a couple of points of view. And, and one of the biggest points of view is that five and six toughness is really important. So without like joking too hard on it, like Superior Burning Coco would be a better deck now because Colgon's Command is not in the format. And between your Tarmogoyfs and your Superians, Superior at a 5-6 is no, I very, think, I think, very relevant. I think Burning Cocoa would be a great deck in this format. Yeah, so uh, it might be a little too slow. You might have to make it a little bit more like early hand disruption just to protect yourself. I think you cut the Pack Rat plan and just be aggressive, be, be aggressive. Maybe, unless the Pack Rat plan, just because of how aggressive the Pack Rat plan is, can actually just stand up to the size. Pretty, Eventually, yeah, yeah. They pretty quickly get pretty big, especially if you're playing removal. But, um, I mean, there's that idea. But, uh, like, like, 5 and 6 toughness against Reality Smashers and Thought Not Seers is is important to remember yeah. and definitely something to think about. Um, the last one I think I have here is blue-white control. I think just classic, if you can survive, so you play Wall of Omens or other like things that just get in their way, you can just play Supreme Verdicts, eventually 
those will give you the value you need to take these guys on. Like just wiping the board, just classic board wipe seemed really good against these decks. Yeah, I also don't mind the idea. I know we one of our one of our listeners had talked about the idea of targeting a reality smasher with a removal spell and then discarding either Whitley Leisure or Loxon Smiter or an obstinate Bayloth um, to the discard trigger on uh, what's it called? Reality Smasher. Yeah. And then getting the creature for free because it's an effect caused by your opponent, which seems really sweet. If you add to that the idea that like just from the get go that deck's going to be too slow if they have an explosive start. So then you start to go, okay, what can I do that they're doing that's just as fast? And you start to think, okay, I can play four gemstone caverns and some number of mana tithe because it's legal in modern. And I can just like some games, I will get to start the game with a land and play on the draw and a mana tithe and just mana tithe whatever their thing they play is before you play a card. And you have these. You well, have these... I think. I think. I don't know how I feel about that plan, but I do like <laughs> the idea of like green white hate bears that does go along with the path reality smasher yeah, gaining value and just like gains value from just the fact that Thali is really good and Hushwing Griff is really good against this deck because enter the battlefield effects won't get triggered as much. Thought not um, from Thought Not Seer. Like you get a lot of cool little interactions that are useful. I guess. Um, I guess my point was that. They're so fast. They're so aggressive. You have to think, what are the most unfair things that other decks are allowed to do to combat them being so aggressive? So they get to turn ahead. I don't think gemstone mine into mana tithe is the thing. No, no, I'm not saying that's the (laughs) thing. I mean, I'm not saying like take this to a GP. My point is like, what are the unfair things that you can do? One of them is Simeon Spirit Guide. One of them is Gemstone Caverns. One of like they're playing two of the Soul Lands. Like there are things in modern because they're going so all in on this one idea. But look at all the decks we just mentioned, like not all of them are going deep on that plan. Some of them are just like very aggressive, great at removing creatures, great at shutting out lands, also doing a plan that's very good with disruption. So like the reanimator plan now playing blue. Like I don't think you need to be like, oh man, I have to glass cannon in my deck so that I can take them out on turn one. I think you can just like, yeah. if you play good magic and have good removal spells that is tuned to be good against their deck, you'll be fine. That's why I think like a blue-white deck playing counter magic and board wipes and just dealing with them that way is a great way to kind of attack the format. It's fair. Um, I don't think... <laughs> Gemstone Cavers and Manitide? Yeah. And actually, I do like Coco. I like Coco because getting a 5-6 on turn 2 or turn 3 against them is really good. Yeah. Getting a Tarmogoyf in there. Tarmogoyf is still a good creature. The one, like, yes, it didn't top 8, but a lot of the decks jund. There was like five to six different zoo decks. The Like, all these decks are good because they play Tarmogoyf. It's also and it's also really sweet that uh, a five six like if they attack like their um, their dismember can't kill it so like you if if you block and then they dismember and then the trample that's fine you're still getting right. four damage into them but if not and you see the dismember coming like you have a five six they can't just clear it like you, it's yeah. gonna survive well, I mean that's one of the reasons I think Death Shadow Zoo did so well because it was running four main deck um, dismember the best removal spell possibly against the Eldrazi deck. And was paying a one mana thirteen thirteen. <laughs> yeah. So like when you get that out there, it can block. Like yeah. being able to block five fives is the game now. Five fives and four fours. So anything that you can get in early that can do that is a big game. I also wonder if if the Eldrazi deck is going to be so good because aside from Thought Not Seer and Dismember, they play like very 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 little disruption. Um, I mean they the, Thought Not Seer is real good. It's I real saw good. I saw it like dominate because of like. That deck fires on all cylinders. Yeah, it's it's kind of insane. Like, yeah. I, I do think it's dangerous. I do think I wouldn't invest in this deck. That's the one reason I don't think into the next GP it's going to just be only people investing in this deck. Yeah. Because... People are scared of the ban. I, I wouldn't want to invest money in this deck right now. I'm going to sell all my eyes. Like, I'm, I'm just going to sell every card. I have, like, four temples and six eye of Ugans. I'm just going to get rid of them because yeah. I don't want to... I want to sell all my spirit guides. They all just shot through the roof. Yeah. I mean, even, the worst case scenario is Shadow Shot. It doesn't get banned. And then this whole Pro Tour season, I have to worry about this deck. But if it doesn't get banned, that means something like these company decks did well and these death shit. Like, either it's going to get banned and you should get rid of it, or it's going to not be the best deck in the world, which means that you can play one of the decks that it's not. So or, I would just or, or sell out of the deck. Or it gets weakened and they ban Temple and it becomes a, a really swingy glass cannon deck that is very slow if it doesn't draw eye. Which is, which is like, if you got rid of four of the Soul Lands, it's really powerful but it's not backbreaking because it, sure decks that have to mulligan down to if that take like we knew we knew from talking to the guys playing the deck beforehand that they had to mulligan to an eye that was like that was the game plan right if you didn't start the game with eye you mulligan down to like five, or eye or temple a soul land uh yeah basically to four or five cards uh eye being much better because you could play multiple yeah, two yeah. drops with it but you know when that's the case 
and you have eight of them, if they take out four of them, like you're playing a bunch of expensive cards in that deck. Like the fact that you can cheat those expensive cards out is what's good. But if you, well, lose... I'm not saying the deck dies if the deck loses one of the lands. I'm saying that the crazy price spike that just happened makes me feel like there's more value to be made of selling these cards into better or like more likely to survive cards. Like if right. you could sell your Eldrazi deck and get a play set of Snapcaster Mages right yeah. now, and because you invested early, do that. Yeah. Snapcaster Mage will be good forever. This Eldrazi deck is either a flash in the pan, yeah. will be a a tier format player, kind of like a, like a, a comparable to Affinity. I yeah. can see that being what happened because it is very Affinity-esque. Or it's getting banned. Yeah. Getting kicked out of the format. And it might be a role player still as a tier two deck, but like, look at Bloom. You know what deck I didn't read as an 8-2 deck? What? Amulet Bloom. Yeah, that's gone. <laughs> um, so, you know, Amulet Bloom got a ninth place in a, in a, in a second place yeah. last year and then, like, was in every GP as a one-of. This got six of the, six of the top eight <laughs> and then a bunch of the top 16 probably. Like, that's – I don't know. I would be very worried. I would be surprised if they banned uh, – I think one. I think one of the lands will get banned. One of the two, and I think that makes the deck fine. I don't think it makes the deck unfair. I think it just deck just becomes now. You're now you're. I don't know if it'll kill the deck or not. I, so between the two, which one do you think they ban, Temple or I? It's tough because I is has a place in big mana decks like Tron, Tron. that are it's and that's a very important card in that deck and like. Yeah, but it, people would argue that Tron needed a way to needed to be weakened anyways. Yeah, I mean, maybe, so maybe you leave Temple. The issue with Temple is that if you leave Temple, now all of a sudden you can actually copy it with Vesuva, which makes it worse and slow, but it still means you can just pump out massive, massive threats on turn three. It's not that difficult, whereas you can't copy... No, you can't. Turn four. Oh, turn three. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, turn, I mean, a 5-5 five, five on turn three is bad, but it's not nearly as bad as a 5, like, what's going uh, on nowadays. I, it's I pretty good. No, Like, if you can... if. All that ends up, ha- I think that all that ends up happening is that the deck just plays for Vesuva, and then all of a sudden it's just a little slower, but it's still really good. Yeah, I think I think Temple is the card that needs to go away because you can have two in play at the same time. Yeah. Ivugan being legendary, and like Wizards doesn't like saying that they pay attention to this, but they just printed I of Ugin as an expedition. Yeah, like if I open an expedition buying all these packs just because this set's yeah. sweet and I open I of Ugin and then it gets banned or I open it after it gets banned, I'm going to yeah. be a really sad panda. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Temple. And and yeah, that's fine. You get rid of Temple. Like, nobody played that card beforehand anyway. Like, right. It was just this deck. But I've been Which is why forever. I'm saying get out of this deck. Yeah. Don't hold on to it. Yeah. Unless you're like... Unless you're going to one of those three GPs, yeah. or you're going to a GP before the saw the Shadow of Innistrad yeah. fan restricted announcement... Or you love taking risks and betting, get rid of it. Yeah, it's a good point. And even like even if you're like going to one of those GPs, if you don't have 100% faith that you're going to play very well that whole tournament, I would get rid of it. Fair enough. Because um, I don't think it's 100% going to be banned, but I definitely think it's on the ban watch list, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And I was telling people to sell Amulet six months ago. I'm telling you, yeah, I wouldn't be holding on the deck. You're you're it. You're fooling yourself if you think it's safe. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's not... They don't want unfair magic. So, like, sure. they, we give it... If you want to be really aggressive, sell out of it. If not, wait till the Grand Prix. And it, if it has two in the top eight of one of the events, I'd say sell out of it. The only way you think you're safe is if this deck shows up as a one-of in one of the top eights of the three modern Grand Prix. Or maybe two. Uh, even if it's just a one-of in all three... And every other deck isn't just like land destruction or some type of deck built purely to fight this one deck. They're well, also, like, yeah, you need to see what the results are when, when draft doesn't have something to do with it. And then you also need to see what the results are, not of just the top eight, but look, go look at the top 64 decks of each right. of those tournaments and see right. what's the what's the composition. If you have if you have 14 copies of an Eldrazi deck at the top 64, you're in trouble. Get or just like it. a day two percentages. They'll post them. They'll post day two. The Eldrazi deck is 64 percent. That's too high. <laughs> yeah. 15 decks have been banned out of 15. All right. So that's it for the, the episode. Next week, we'll be back. Andrew yeah. Brown will be on the cast. So he'll be able to actually break down exactly how they came about building the blue red deck. Right. And what are the cool different things about playing in the top eight in his whole tournament report. Remember to follow the podcast on Twitter at the MMCast. Yep. Remember. Oh, go ahead. I'm Kess Wiley. You're Ben Baton Media on, on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, though I don't use my Instagram very often. But sometimes. <laughs> I have an Instagram. It's also Cass Wiley. I use it to post pictures that I post onto my Facebook. So if you want to follow me there also. Sweet. Instagram, Cass yeah. Wiley. I think there's an underscore, though. 
Excellent. That sneaks in there. Uh, make sure to follow the check out the command zone. They do awesome content. I'm on it. We talk about my Marin deck, which apparently is the most popular commander deck. Uh, I built it because I had a green black deck that I didn't like because it was Nath and it made everyone discard their whole hands and everyone had no fun. And I also had a Carador deck that was the oldest commander deck I've ever owned. And I think the only deck I consistently have owned since I started playing Magic, really. Carador. And it is now a Mirren deck. So I talked about that on the podcast. Uh, command zone. Make sure to go check out Legacy Weapon. We talk about bannings and what they meant to the format some good analysis on the legacy format in general yes yeah. um and uh yeah check out the patreon all right yeah 100 guys thanks right. for tuning in thanks for tuning in Bye. thank you for your attention for further inquiries send an email to the mmcast at rocketjump.com see you later alligator <laughs>